Hello, Grand Geeks. This is Tyler. I know the Grand Geek Gathering hasn't had a lot of podcasts out since Comic-Con, but we are coming back full force. We've been working on new shows that are coming out, and the Grand Geek Gathering is going to have five panels at LA Comic-Con. LA Comic-Con is from October 26th through the 28th. Unnecessary Debates will be there. We're also going to have Tales of the Comic Book Shop, How to Find Your Genre, moderated by Michael Tanner. And we're also going to have Playing It Out on the Tabletop and also Geeks for Good. So if you care about charities and you want to start up a charity, that's going to be a panel for you. I really hope you enjoy this show. Enjoy. Welcome to Pull to Open, a Doctor Who podcast. It's been, oh my gosh, over nine months, no new Doctor Who. And now, not just a new Doctor Who, but a new Doctor. Jodie Whittaker's incredible, wonderful debut performance. Okay, I, I'm sort of tipping my hand here. Uh, but anyways, uh, go around and introduce yourselves. Uh, let's start with Amanda. Hey, uh, my name's Amanda Blackburn. I am the founder um, and lead organizer of the Real Time Lords of Orange County fan club um, that we've been out active since 2011. And I'm also a panelist at the Gallifrey One convention often and super fun, huge Doctor Who fangirl since like the 80s, since Tom Baker on PBS. So uh, excited to be here. Yeah, excited to be here. Renee. I'm Renee Thielman. Um, I feel like I talked about myself a lot last time, so I am. Um, but every podcast is new adventure. Yep, and I'm excited. Cool. And going clockwise, finishing off to Ben. Hello, I am Ben Padden. I am a writer, a comedian, a British man, uh, and I am a frequent panelist at events like Gallifrey One, San Diego Hukon, and I host. Um, what is my show called? I host Look Who's Talking at uh, Geeky Tees in Burbank on Sundays. Uh, after Doctor Who airs, we do an after show about it uh, in the store. Yeah, I was I was at the screening. It was it was great. Uh, my name is Andy Nordvall. I'm a stay at home dad who occasionally writes stuff. Uh, also been a fan since the eighties. Anyway, so let's go around. What did we think? Who wants to go first? Um, no I loved it. Gosh. Okay, okay. Renee loved it. How about Amanda? I am so happy with this. You know how I, I, I do this with every new doctor, and it's not just that she's, an, she's a woman or anything. Every new doctor is a journey where you're like, oh, they can never be as good as who – like, I thought Matt Smith was going to be awful, and he turned out to be my favorite <laughs> doctor. And she is – I think she just owned that role. She literally dropped into the middle of the action, and she owned it. And she was fun and she was smart, but she still was that kind of, I just woke up as the doctor, so I'm not really sure what's going on. So um, I love this side characters. I loved, I loved all of it. I thought it was great. Okay, Ben, how about you? Yeah, um, I thought uh, this was quite possibly one of the best uh, debuts for New Doctor that we've had wow. this side of the 11th hour. I mean, the 11th hour, I think, set a very high standard for uh, the debut of a brand new doctor. Um, I don't know that this quite hits that high, but it came pretty bloody close. I thought Jodie was amazing. She sizzles from the moment she appears on the screen. Um, and even though she doesn't quite have a, a solid handle on who her doctor is at the beginning of the episode as part of the plot, I feel like the audience kind of really get who she is from her very first scene right the way through to the end. I, I absolutely loved it. I had one gripe. 
I had one gripe with the episode, but I will come back to that when we are <laughs> kind of discussing this in more detail. But on the whole, I loved it. Wow. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I might be the, the fly in the ointment, perhaps because of high expectations. There was so much I loved in it. Uh, first and foremost, of course, Jodie Whittaker. I thought she did amazing. I mean, uh, you could even just tell from those little clips, every scene, she knows just how to give the perfect line reading, how to control. You know, she's so much the doctor. She stepped in with complete ease. And the rest of the cast, I thought, was pretty good, too. I also had some quibbles, but, you know... Uh, let's not let's not be the toxic fanboys before we you know say just how much we loved <laughs> how much we loved uh, uh, the, the the debut and God I can't wait to see the next ones it 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 seemed like a very strong start and what a cliffhanger oh, <laughs> oh yeah what are an absolute cliffhanger they are it looks like it I mean it was very very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy very uh, yeah. being shunt, shunted out of an airlock and that's it yeah uh, I really that's do expect healthy, the heart man. of yeah. gold to. I really expect the Heart of Gold to kind of swim by and pick them up. Uh, yeah, something's they just got shot out of a Bogon ship just then. <laughs> Plus, I mean, you know, they're still just learning to do the doctor, learning to trust the doctor. Getting thrown into the vacuum of deep space might be a, a weird complication for the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Other other things we liked. What do we think of the new the new the new look? The new I think it's like they're using new lenses and it's of course it's being shot in Sheffield. This is- this is easily the most cinematic Doctor Who has ever looked. It looks mm-hmm. crisp and clean. It felt it felt like watching uh, a feature film, and especially because they're now shooting it uh, in a different aspect ratio. They're not shooting it sixteen nine, which is standard television widescreen. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more compact. It's 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 letterbox. I forget someone someone posted the exact aspect ratio. I'm an idiot. I don't remember those numbers. It's not that's not my field. But it just mm-hmm. looks a little bit more filmic. The special yeah. effects were amazing. This is uh, this is the best that Doctor Who has ever looked, ever. Well, they are going to be it at the theaters, yep. and um, I know our theater is playing it Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so I'm I'm going to go and see it on Thursday, and I'm really excited to see how it looks that big. Mm. Also, because you know, previous years, if it was blown up that big, you know, it wouldn't look as, like you said, clear. Um, yeah, I remember um, going to see. They did a they did a special feature where they did um, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel in the theaters mm-hmm. like a few mm-hmm. years ago. I think that was the first thing they did after the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, and because that was the that was a weird choice because uh, almost none of te- like with the exception of the gap year stories, Tenant stuff was all shot in standard definition. So blowing mm-hmm. that up to a big big screen, it just it doesn't <laughs> look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it'll be interesting to see great. what this looks like on the big yeah. screen. I'm planning on going as well. Yeah, okay, now let's get to our quibbles. I know, Ben, you have one. <laughs> yeah, I, mine's a big one. Quibble. Mine's a very, very big one, and it is... I just want to stress, obviously, this is a Doctor Who podcast. We're discussing a new episode. There are going to be spoilers. So if, you do not, if you're listening to this and oh, you yeah. do not want to be spoiled... I would recommend listening to another podcast, such as Get The Life to Get It with Ben and Molly, in which I review <laughs> yeah. movies that are based on toys. Plug, 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 plug. I Shame. love that. Thank or you. If you just started watching and you're very fond of uh, Ryan's Nan, yeah, I would finish watching the episode before you listen to this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't get that, don't that, get too attached. Yeah, and that yeah. was that really that was the point that rubbed me the wrong way was ah. uh, was was Grace dying. Firstly, we are we are introduced to this wonderful, brilliant, vibrant character. She reminded me so much of my own mother, um, especially when she's you know uh, kissing on on Graham on the train, and then she, <laughs> says, she says to the other guy on the train, "Oh, he can't keep his hands off me." That's so much my mum. I love that. I love that character. <laughs> 
um, and and she falls and she dies. And I have two problems with that. Firstly, th- th- that is, it's 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 fridging. We've we've fridged a woman to give Graham some emotional, oh, yeah, something or other. I I really I object to that. I don't know how that's going to play out. The optics of that are not great, especially considering it's a woman of color. We've had. Um, three seasons in a row, like every season of uh, of Capaldi's, we saw a minority character um, apparently killed off. In in uh, Capaldi's first season, we had Danny Pink, a black man, um, was turned into a Cyberman. Um, in season nine, we saw Clara, who is canonically bisexual. She also seemed to die. She had a happy ending, but we had two weeks where we thought she's dead. Clara's dead. Um, and then again, season 10, we had Bill Potts, who is a queer woman of colour, who, again, turned into a Cyberman. And again, she got her happy ending. She got to you haul across the universe with a girlfriend. But again, there's that there's that one week period where the Internet, Twitter, Tumblr, social media was um, uh, was just electric with 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 incandescent rage that a, a woman, <laughs> a woman of colour, a queer woman has been killed again on yeah. Doctor Who. So the optics of Grace's death uh rub me the wrong way for for those reasons god that's so true okay same way. yeah uh, amanda that you want to talk actually my quibble also okay. sorry i was just gonna say i didn't get a chance to talk oh, no about problem. what i liked sorry, the sorry. most about the episode um what i was gonna say i like the most about the episode kind of ties into what you were just saying though I love the inclusivity. I love the fact that we not only now have a full cast of women and people of color and somebody who's older than we would typically see in a companion, but also somebody who is disabled. Ryan has dyspraxia. And what was interesting is during my viewing party with my group, one of the girls in my group has dyspraxia. And as she was watching it, she was like, oh, my gosh, there's some there's me. I, I get to see somebody who has what I have. So I think it's, yes, I agree, 100%. Killing Grace was awful. I was really disappointed that they did that. But at the same time, I have to look at the bright side, which is now we are moving into a more positive direction with the show, where it's not just white men kind of in control yeah. of the narrative <laughs> anymore. It's it's Let actually me save you. women... Yeah, it's women and people of color and we, you know, and, and it, and it reflects, you know, one of the challenges that I have, too, from a fan club standpoint is you hear a lot of people griping and saying, oh, well, this is just PC or this is just, you know, no, this is a reflection of the actual fan base. This is what people look like who watch Doctor Who. So I think that's really cool. I was really excited to see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to diminish the optics, that's such a good point. But it also did not make a lick of sense. Like, she she was saying that the weird tentacle creature was was tearing down the crane, which, why would it do that? Tim Shaw, the alien, was on top of the crane. That I right. hate to say it, the whole crane thing was weirdly edited. Like, they mentioned in dialogue that the tentacle thing was guarding the other crane, which is why they had to climb up the second crane, which was mm-hmm. a good thought. But then suddenly... You know, Grace decides that the the thing is damaging the drain, so she's got to climb up and kill it, which is so dangerous. Well, like, historically, yeah. historically, new Who writers and showrunners are really good at setting up a story, but they're not great at closing it out. And I feel like they had to have something like Grace's death to kind of like put an end to that whole alien adventure and kind of move them off into a new direction. 
I, I hate that it happened that way, but yeah, it felt like very rushed and kind of like, you know, we didn't know how to end it in this big alien chase. So let's just do it. Yeah. This way. Uh, Renee, you want to say something? Like with, yeah. I felt like with, um, with grace because of everything that we'd seen and seen them all at Comic-Con and stuff, I knew that grace wasn't going to be a companion. So literally from the minute we met her, I was like stressed out and worried about her like the whole time. Like, I was like, <laughs> yes. oh, shit, something's going to happen. And you just knew that something terrible was going to happen. And then once they get to the work site and um, I don't know why this really st- like struck me as so terrible. That poor like security guard is like oh. with his granddaughter. Yeah. And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Not every granddad. And then he just died like instantly. I was like, what the fuck? Sorry. I, cut a lot. Um, I actually it was probably, it was was probably really two weeks from retirement. I, I bet you two weeks. From I actually put that in my notes. I'm like, of course, the sweet old granddad is the one who like dies immediately. I feel like that whole and, and the baddie in this, I, I mean, sticking teeth in his face. Like, this is dark. Like, they did not pull punches when it comes to the tone of this show. They're not going to be handholding. I mean, they're not afraid to kill off characters you know, the baddie is a real baddie, you know, who taken trophies from people. I mean, so it'll be interesting to see if that tone carries out this the rest of the season. Yeah. What did you think of the baddie? I thought his he was a very generic bad guy, especially I mean, the teeth was a nice thing. But when he was walking around, I mean, if the BBC has a template for evil alien battlesuit, that's what it is. It it. it I mean, I loved, I loved, I loved them, but I wish they had had a, a enemy who was more than just sort of essentially a, a cookie cutter evil alien. But what do you guys think? He reminded um, me of something else. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but his, um, his like bug eye kind of looking face and stuff. Reminded me of the Jem Hadar. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, a bit yeah. of a Jem Hadar vibe. I didn't. Here's a thing. I didn't have a. I thought he was an interesting alien. I didn't think he. Knew, the big mistake people make when they watch a first episode of Doctor Who is they hyperfixate on, well, what is what's the alien like? Is is this is is this a really is this a riveting story? And mm-hmm. I think that I think that the you know story is important, but the first episode of any Doctor is almost never about, particularly in modern Doctor Who, is almost never about the invading alien or the right. the, the the new threat. It is almost always about the doctor if you think about uh, like think about matt smith's debut the 11th hour is is the best debut that a, a new doctor has had i love it and the atraxi that big eyeball alien in the in the giant snowflake is visually interesting mm-hmm. but as an alien not particularly there's not a lot of depth there similarly yeah. with um you know uh, peter capaldi's debut the narrative of that one was basically a retread of uh, the girl in yeah. the fireplace mm-hmm. um david tennant you know his aliens were like invading you know kind of klingons with exposed skeletons yeah. or expo- exposed mm-hmm. skulls no, the not, yeah. yeah the cigarettes they're Cigarettes. Not in- yeah, they're not especially interesting aliens, but it's not about them. It's about the Doctor. We're, yeah. we're not tuning in to watch a guy who hopefully has a very, very good dental plan. We're tuning in because <laughs> we want to see how Jody is going to react to that. I mean, um, this is obvious. I was going to say this is, I mean, I agree. The, the first Doctor episode, the bad guy is always a vehicle to learn about the Doctor and to learn about the new characters mm-hmm. and to kind of set the pace and the tone of the show. 
which is why I feel like if, if things continue, what we saw tonight, they're not going to be afraid to, you know, they're not going to be pulling punches. Um, the one difference, well, I, I would say that this, this episode did feel a lot more like the monster of the week episodes that we got under Russell T Davies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it had more of that feel to it to me. Also, I, I believe Chidnall and, and, uh, the, the executive producers have said there are going to be no story arcs this season. There's nothing that carries, you know, through the whole series, except for perhaps maybe her trying to find her TARDIS. Well, I mean, what we've been told specifically is that there aren't going to be any two-parters. No I think two-parters. That, I think that there yeah. might still be an arc, um, mm-hmm. but we haven't. Yeah. We're not because we have. We've already had a cliffhanger. Right. So I think that we're going to get so, that. So the difference with like Matt Smith with the Atraxi that introduced the whole crack in the wall, which mm-hmm. is something that was a big story arc through there, um, with David Tennant and the Sycorax that actually introduced the PM, and that became a big, you know, uh, you know plot point throughout that season so it's like you see you see in the other doctors episodes where yeah things there were callbacks so maybe we'll see more of this bad guy who knows i don't know if we're going to be seeing cybermen and daleks this season though so i mean they've said no i hope they do yeah yeah Yeah. i don't know i i push back i think i think some of the introductory aliens were really cool i mean there were the atraxi but there were also there was also prisoner zero this this Mm -hmm. you know, this alien that always tried to pose as other people, but would get the mouth strong and whose motivation was very clear. It just didn't want to get caught. And the Sycorax, yeah, they borrowed a lot from the Klingons, but I love how they were like sort of like rowdy frat boys who got a warp drive and were just sort of like, you know, trashing other planets. And well, this I one... mean, oh, I, go. I, I do think that uh, Tim Shaw was uh, firstly a great name. Uh, right. I think yes, that was great. I mean, very I feel dark. I feel bad for every Tim Shaw, by the way, right now because <laughs> I know everybody was online trying to figure out who's Tim Shaw. There. I'm fairly my my guess is that Chris Chibnall knows someone named Tim Shaw, and it's an, like <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the if if Tim Shaw is a big blue cheat. It was a specific <laughs> in joke among yeah. Chris Chibnall and his friends. I'm guessing, obviously, but um, I I found that Tim Shaw. I thought he was an interesting alien. I thought he was he was very dark. I think for Doctor Who. Um, but I also, uh, I think the juxtaposition of just his outright darkness, um, he clearly borrowed his, uh, his outfit from the Power Rangers movie, which is fine. Um, you know, like an evil is Iron it? Man. Is it? Yeah. No, he was uh, totally a bad Power Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I dug his whole vibe. I don't think he was too imposing or, or made too much of an impression, but I think the impression that he did leave was was just right for a doctor's introductory story. I think that with the um, the AMA that um, Jodie Whittaker did on Reddit, she had said that the main thing that she wanted to bring um, to her doctor was a childlike wonder. Mm. And I think that because they knew that that's what she wanted, the juxtaposition of having such a dark villain... Um, yeah, and her just being so bright the whole time was a good, um, you know, mix. Yeah, I was gonna say what I enjoyed seeing about Jody in this episode was you. I mean, you always watch the new Doctor and go, oh well, how is he or now she going to compare to the other Doctors? And I was watching her going, well, does this feel like nine, ten, eleven? I was like, no, this feels like just a completely new Doctor, and the way that she's responding and reacting to things 
felt so new. And like you said, that whole kind of childlike wonder. But she was also very serious in parts, which I really enjoyed watching her yeah. range this episode. She's got a moral clarity. Like, I'm I'm glad they dropped the am I a good man from, uh, yes. from all these run. I mean, I, I know why they went there. But, I mean, come on. Were they ever going to say that the doctor was not a good person? That just doesn't make sense. And now well, it's I mean, just... that's, that wasn't the point of that arc. The, the point was not. Is is the doctor a good man? The point was, does that matter? And that's the conclusion. Like that arc wrapped up at the end of Capaldi's first season. Like he concludes, he's not a good man. He's not a bad man. He's just, you know, an idiot with a box, you know, passing by and helping out. Um, for my money, Jody feels the most like the fifth doctor. Like there's a kind of, there's an exuberance there that wow. reminds me of kind of early, the early Peter Davison stories. Um, yeah. And that okay. kind of youthfulness, like I, this, feels very much like the leap from uh, Tom Baker to Peter Davison, because we're obviously because we have skewed so much younger. Um, I I I think that the performance is different. I think a lot of people are saying David Tennant. I don't. I'm not seeing David Tennant. Really, I don't see I'm, David at all. I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm, I love that, David. I love Jody, but I don't yeah. see a. Um, I'm seeing. Mixed. I'm I'm seeing a lot of of Peter Davison. Or sorry, I'm. I'm seeing a dash of Peter Davison and a lot of Jodie Whittaker. And that's yeah. what I want. Like, I don't want the, the, that's, I think one of the worst things when, when a new doctor is cast and they make their debut and go, like people saying Christopher Eccleston, oh, he's got that Tom Baker smile. No, he doesn't have Tom Baker smile. He has teeth. That's yeah. what Christopher Eccleston has. So <laughs> it always, it always bugs me when people come, you know, it's cause it's apples and oranges. They're different, uh, D- different portrayals of the same character and 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 Jody's being Jody and I love that. I find it really interesting that you brought up Peter Davidson because I was just mentioning that tonight that you know Peter Davidson was it was a hard regeneration for people who had mm. been fans of Tom Baker because that was 13 yeah. years of Tom Baker. So it was oh, a huge yeah. or I'm sorry 7 hey. years. So it was a huge transition I was thinking 13th doctor sorry it was a huge (laughs) transition after having a doctor for that long to go to a brand new doctor it was it was traumatizing to me I remember that plus in America Baker was the doctor you never was was the doctor yeah exactly exactly so you know I feel a little bit of that with Jody where it's the transition from the doctor that we've known to the this brand new enterprise that they've got new showrunner new musician new you know scoring you know new even the way that they're filming it is different you know so having that transition i also feel like maybe having that extra amount of time to wait for this doctor to come out was good to have that padding it's almost like a palate cleanser from peter capaldi to be more accepting of this new doctor and also her having multiple companions felt very mm. fifth doctor because that's something that's true. yeah that's something that we don't we haven't seen in it's the been a long time that. since the tardis has been that crowded exactly yeah. and i'm excited <laughs> for that Can we talk about the companions for a little bit? Because I love all of them. Like, I think they're all fantastic. I I think they're all going to bring something very, very different uh, to to the table. Graham in particular, and I'm not just gravitating towards him because he's a white man and I also am a white man. Um, I'm I'm interested in Graham uh, because... He very clearly does not want to be there. He's just lost his wife. He's, he's, He's grieving... Even throughout this adventure, like he did not, he was not the active participant. If the if this story had ended with Grace surviving and asking them all if they wanted to come with her, um, I think it, the the team would be uh, Yaz, Ryan, and Grace. I think Graham would stay behind. But because the episode ended the way that it did, where 
you know, all three of the Doctor's now companions, or I guess friends is the term that Chibnall would prefer that we use now, um, mm-hmm. they've all kind of been teleported with the Doctor. That is, uh, it's, it's, we're going to end, that's, that's, we're going to end up with a reluctant companion, which is something we have not seen since Tegan in the 80s. And I'm oh, very, yeah. very again, excited. Again, Fifth Doctor, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, and again, I, I, I know I, I literally just said 17 seconds ago how I hate or dislike when people, you know, compare what's going on now with the past. But uh, Graham feels to me like we're going to get, you know, Wilfred mixed with Tegan, and I'm <laughs> absolutely here for that yeah. combination. Those well, are two great tastes that are going to taste exceptional together. I don't know. It's always fun to sort of figure out who are the influences. Like, you know, the 11th definitely was inspired by the second Doctor, but in a great way. And I see I see more, more Matt Smith and David Tennant in Jodie's performance. And, you know, good honor, you know? I mean, I like... I like when you can tell when they're trying to take stuff from the past, you know, so it's not completely new, but they always put their, their own spin on it, you know? I think that people might be trying to compare her to David Tennant because um, she's admitted to not being an old Doctor Who fan, so her connections to David Tennant, um, him being the first person she talked to about it, and probably getting quite a bit of background from him. Maybe they're seeing some of the familiarities just in that. Because they were in Broadchurch together and with Chibnall there. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I was going to say, I feel like if we're going to see an arc of any character in this season, it's going to be Graham. He's had a huge loss. Now he's floating in space with a bunch of young people He's a bus driver. Like, he didn't sign up for this. I feel like we're going to see a lot from him. And I, he's a wonderful actor. If you've ever seen Law & Order UK, I, I'm really excited to see more of him this season. Yeah. He, he was there, Jerry Orbach, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. I, I do wonder, though. I mean, that was the other thing about Grace Dine. For them to really deal with that, like, can you do that and also have fun adventures in space? It seems like one or the other of those has to get shortchanged. I'm not sure how they can coexist. So I don't know. I mean, I think that, I mean, that's something I think that was missing from this debut episode is it, I don't, I wouldn't describe what we saw as fun. I think the doctor is a fun character, but I wouldn't describe this as a fun romp in the way that, um, like the 11th hour or even deep breath was deep breath had some dark moments, but you've got the doctor in Victorian London solving the murder of a, dinosaur like that's right that is like you boil that down it's fun um mm-hmm. it, it, you that that's something that this story really doesn't have and i'm hoping that we're going to get to see more fun doctor who I, I i i go back and forth on how i feel about doctor who being super duper fun on the one hand it's a family show on the other hand um you know i think that a lot of the david tennant era hasn't aged as well as as some other doctor who um, I think, you know, sometimes in the Tenant era, the writing is a bit too broad and the lighting is a bit too colourful. It's a little bit CBBC in places at times. Um, I still um, love Tenant. I still love, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of his era, but um, his stuff has not aged quite as well. And, it, you know, as a result, his stuff is further down the list in, in my... If I had to rank seasons, his stuff is further down. But the flip side to the David Tennant season coin was Torchwood. And that's mm. what Chibnall worked on. Yeah. And that's what I got a lot out of this 
first episode felt in places like Torchwood, where they're they have a home base and then they're going out to, to find the aliens and it's a really ugly bad alien and you know for me I, I was getting more of that than the tenth doctor which again everybody keeps mentioning in regards to Jody but I didn't get that as much from her like you guys are saying. Yeah it did seem a lot like Torchwood which probably is what worried me the most because I mean I darker, know Chimel the Torchwood adult. Well yeah, it darker, wasn't so much more... that it's that it's that um, the stories that never really come together and character relationships that are always kind of fuzzy and seem to change on a dime for the convenience of the story. Oh, come like, on. You know Cyber Woman was a great story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and plot holes. I'm pulling a face. Yeah. The listeners that metal, noise might be very unpleasant for the listener. Yeah. Metal bikini? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Cyberwoman yeah. is the single worst contribution to Doctor Who canon ever, ever, ever. So bad. It's, so bad. <laughs> it's bad. Are you saying Absorbalock's bad? It's MSP. It's worse. Bad. Oh wow. But I mean, even I mean, you know, they all, every TV show has that one episode that just goes so terribly wrong. But the the average Torchwood for me never really grabbed my attention, and I think it was because they never really focus that much on the character and the relationships. And I did think there was a certain vagueness, especially with the, the minor characters. Like, like I know that Graham and Ryan are supposed to get closer, but I'm not sure what their relationship is. Half the time, Graham is really trying to ingratiate himself with Ryan, and then half the time he's, like, criticizing Ryan. Like, I, it, it lacked a certain clarity. Now, maybe episode two, it'll all snap into focus. But I think... As much as I love Jodie Whittaker, the one thing that has me worried is that this was kind of so-so in the way that most of Torchwood was so-so. Mm-hmm. But, hey, I'm perfectly happy to be disagreed with here. That No, yeah. I my biggest concern about this new season, new Doctor, whatever, none, nothing to do with the characters. It has everything to do with Chris Chibnall. I'm just not a huge fan of his in regards to the episodes mm-hmm. that he did on Doctor Who. Torchwood was okay, but it wasn't, yeah. you know... So my fingers are crossed. I mean, he's not going to be the sole contributor. There's going to be other writers and everything. I thought the writing for this was fairly solid, but there were pieces that just hung, like the guy who was searching for his sister. That didn't really, yeah. I didn't really, you know, what was that all about? The guy on the crane who's like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. I felt bad for him, but it's like, why was he the target? There were yeah, it should have been Ryan. Where- yeah, there were areas where they could it felt like they unnecessarily added more characters to it that kind of took away from the the core story to me. Yeah, it, it always seemed to miss the emotional core of its own story. Like I I, I totally think that the the target should have been Ryan because Ryan was the kid who was like does my life matter and was like feeling down on himself and yeah. you know and we'd be so much more invested in Ryan. I mean, it was a very cute moment where Carl was like someone's out there who who's looking for me, but I can't I, really care about Carl as much, you know. I I, dis- I disagree. I, here's the thing: I don't. We're not. I wouldn't say we're not supposed to care about Carl, but if you if you make the target one of the incoming companions, you immediately weight the story towards that companion. Everyone is tipping towards them. So even if you ha- give Graham a Graham moment, even if you give Yaz a Yaz moment, by making Ryan the focal point of the story, that debut story 
tips towards them. And what you need the first story to be, especially when you're introducing not just one companion, three companions, you need to give each of them a moment and you need to see them working together to solve a problem. I think making um, making the target be a separate part of the core group, particularly one who does not want to be there on that train, I mm-hmm. think that's brilliant because it gave every character... A, a role to play in solving that crisis, including Grace. Like everything yeah. about this, I loved the story. I thought all of the story components, except for Grace's death, kind of fit together very neatly and nicely. And I thought it was it was a great way, from a storytelling perspective, to sh- to show this team working together. Because even though if the Doctor had had her TARDIS at the end of the episode, even though she was clearly not set on taking this group with them that we know as the audience especially with that cliffhanger that they're going to be with her for at least a little while so we want to see them cohesive we want to see they do work as a unit because if it was just the doctor and a bunch of people getting teleported at the end and that that's who uh she's stuck with for the season that's less interesting this episode i think did a really really good job of uh, giving each one of the companions and and the doctor herself uh, a role to play in uh, in solving the the puzzle of this episode, and I really dug that. But, yeah. to, be, but to be fair, oh, I'm sorry, real quick. To be fair, Ryan was the heart of this episode. It was his nan. It was his journey trying to ride his bike. His relationship with his, I guess, step grandfather. So. You know, and he's the one who felt guilty about bringing the alien to Earth in the first place. You know, yeah, that didn't make sense, though. I feel like Ryan was the catalyst, but he doesn't mm. have to be the the core. Like he's yeah. what sparked everything, and he's what mm. brought everything together. But that doesn't make him uh, going forward any more important than the others. Yeah, I, that, that's I, I, a lot of the complaints I'm seeing online are saying that Yaz did not get as much of a chance to really. Uh, like there wasn't a lot of character development for her, and I, I kind I agree. of agree with that. Yeah. Um, but we got to see her background. We got to see um, her, uh, her, for want of a better word, her origin story as a as a as a cop solving parking disputes. Which, by the way, uh, same origin as uh, the rabbit from Zootopia. Um, that's <laughs> that is that's <laughs> great. Like we see each of these characters, we see where they are. Um, but and where they want to be, like Ryan, um, you know, Ryan wants to kind of move past this, you know, this disability that he feels is is holding him back. But he's also deeply frustrated with it. Um, Yaz believes that she can do more than just, you know, dish out parking tickets and and deal with you know parking disputes. And Graham wants right now more than anything for Ryan to call him granddad. Like the we have we set in motion. Uh, background and story for these characters that's going to develop over the next nine episodes, and I'm very interested to see where that's going to go. Like, I want to, I want to know how long it's going to take, or and what it is going to take for Ryan to call Graham granddad, because I think that's going to happen this season. I think yeah. we, that's been pretty broadly telegraphed. Um. Also, Ben, her name is Judy Hopps. She has a name. You're right. Her name is Judy. I, I love that film, and I keep forgetting her name because I'm a bad person. I forgive you. <laughs> Judy Hopps. Cool. What do you think of the music? I I think it might grow on me, but I sort of worry. Like, Murray Gold definitely got criticized for laying it on a little thick, and this guy's definitely going in the other direction. It was very minimal. It was almost like 
atonal ambient music in places. I yeah. I don't know. It, it needs to, I need to hear it a few more times. See if it see if I get used to it. But what do you guys think? It didn't bother me. I think it was just I was so excited to even hear it. You know that it. Yeah. I was just like, <gasps> ooh, you know. Um, but my husband has always um, had issues with uh, the. Uh, what's it called? Foley, the Foley background sounds in BBC shows. He's always said to feel different, sound different than shows produced here. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like a different tone to them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like Ben said, this one was almost so much more cinematic that the sound quality, the sound itself was so much better than yeah. it has been in the past. <laughs> All right, I, I believe we have just lost Amanda from the audio feed. Perhaps Skype problems, perhaps short-term teleport. Hopefully she's not floating in space. But uh, well, we'll get her next week. She's definitely still part of the program. But uh, I, I wanted to hear, uh, Ben, you had some thoughts on the new music. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of Murray Gold's work. I, I buy all of his soundtracks, not just for oh, Doctor wow. Who, but I have things like um, the soundtrack to Death at a Funeral, the original British version, which he did the score for. Um, his his music, is, I love his music. I, I got the, the privilege to meet him at Gallifrey earlier this year. Oh, wow. Um, and kind of tell him what his music meant to me personally, and that was that was really cool. And I'm sad that he's not part of the show anymore, but I'm really digging what we're getting um the 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 new composer who uh uh i'm gonna i'm gonna absolutely screw up the pronunciation of this name so i I immediately apologize if i'm offending anyone with this uh sagun akinola um who uh, is the current composer he i mean he's he's very new he's so new he does not have a wikipedia page um (laughs) but he he is i'm loving the sound of the show like i don't i always want like I'm tripping over my words here. That that part can definitely you like him that much. I really, I really dig his sound. Like when I think about modern TV shows, I think about like the very simple flat chords that you get with things like CSI and um and and the joke of you know uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall where uh uh Jason Statham. No, that's not right. Clearly, I'm going to keep going anyway. Um, he plays the should have been Jason Statham. Yeah, he plays the 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 composer for one of those shows, and it's all like flat chords so when i think of a lot of modern tv and a lot of modern drama that's where my mind immediately goes and i got this i thought was going to sound like that and i think it kind of did in places but it's a very interesting it's a different sound it's a different texture and i think it lends itself well to um what chibnall has accomplished on the production side with uh, other aspects of the sound design with the um cinematography with the lighting even i think that it all comes together to make um a, a very rich experience and it is it is different and different is always scary especially when you're a doctor who fan which blows my mind because doctor who is a show that is built on a foundation of change um a friend of mine um my friend said patrick he uh he, he told a joke a few years ago which was uh, how many doctor who fans does it take to change a light bulb uh, what do you mean I change? Give up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, because yeah. Doctor Who fans, they hate new companions and they hate new doctors and they hate new directors and they hate new showrunners up until they're leaving and then they're the best doctor, companion, showrunner, etc. that the show has ever, ever had. And the new and the new guy sucks or the new girl sucks. And um, Jodie has definitely borne the brunt of that because of, 
it, because of her gender. Let's not beat around the bush on that one. Yeah. Um, but when so much has changed, including you know the the in, production stuff behind the scenes and the sound of the show, the look, the feel, the texture, the richness of the show is so different. But it's not different bad. It's I wouldn't even say it's different good. It's just different. It is a, it is a different approach to the the source material, and I love it. I I think this is the best Doctor Who has looked and sounded in that combination for a very, very long time. And that, I don't say that to besmirch Murray Gold, because, again, I continue and will continue to love his music in perpetuity. His his piece from uh, Heaven Sent, The Shepherd's Boy, which is the piece that plays during the montage of Capaldi punching the wall and going through the loops over and over again, that is a piece of music that can absolutely reduce me to tears, and I will just put it on if I need to cry. Yeah. I, I love it. It is beautiful and it is poignant and it is heroic and it is sad and it is sorrowful and it is uh, mournful and it is vibrant and it is hopeful. And I, I, I'm definitely going to miss sure. that about Murray Gold's music because I think that's something that he brought to the table. But based on this episode, um, if Sagoon Akinola can, can maintain this standard, I'm very excited about what we're going to hear uh, in future episodes and I cannot wait to add his soundtracks uh, to huh. to my collection. I think I, I think I might just need to get used to it. I'm thinking about all my favorite bands, and when I first heard them, I didn't like them just because they were so new. I needed to sort of figure out how to listen to them. So that's probably going on here too. Anyways, my last big question. So Tim Shaw and these aliens. Do you think do you think they're coming back? Because we still got that sister on that planet, and they still said someone gave them permission to hunt on Earth. What's going on there? You think? Well, well, the the permission was Ryan. It was Ryan. Yeah. He- he pressed the, the button. Oh, oh, that was the permission? Okay. Yeah. I'm pressing the button if you guys can't see that. Yeah. That's oh, why yes. Ryan, um, w- later when, when Tim Shaw is saying permission was, got access was granted, Ryan is the one who says access revoked, like, because he's the one who got, yeah. like, he's oh, guilty. I thought he was just being cheeky. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm, not fair. Like, I don't you know. know th- how are you supposed to know, you know? Press Historically, here to press the alien hunt. I mean, come on. Historically, uh, monsters that have appeared in a new Doctor's first story um, haven't appeared again unless they are recurring, like uh, the Autons for Eccleston and the Daleks for Patrick Troughton. Um, I would not be surprised if we don't see Tim Shaw of the Stenza ever, ever again. Um, but I think the Stenza are such a visually interesting design um, that I would be surprised if we didn't see them again. That said, the Sycoraks were visually interesting, and the only time we've seen them outside of the Christmas invasion is one having a drink at the Maldivarium in, uh, at the beginning of season nine. So. Oh, really? I, yeah, I did not like them visually at all. I thought they were rather dull, but I'm wondering if they are setting up things. I, I hope they are. I know Torchwood would sometimes set up stuff and then forget about them, or heck, Stephen Moffat while we're at it. Uh, that reminds me, actually, it might be an odd thing to close on, but uh, when Carl kicks the kicks Tim Shaw off the, the, the crane and he falls, and the doctor gets really pissed at him, said he had no right to do that, which is sort of a classic doctor moment, but I don't know, I'm kind of on Team Carl. If somebody's hunting you from an alien world, I think, I think you're within your rights to kick him off a crane. What do you think? I think that she, um, the doctor generally is the, you know, judge jury and executioner um but not the executioner um, you know but often the one that makes the decision on what happens and what's right and i think that when she had already made a decision on what should happen to tim shaw and then you know 
I mean, he was a victim. He was victimized, yeah. and he was pissed off, and he is good, and he is worthy. And, yeah. And, you know, he kicked him off, and I think that was what upset her, was that she had already made a decision on what was the right thing to do. She'd already exploded a bunch of DNA bombs, too. I'm surprised that didn't kill him. Well, I mean, they weren't in him. It was, he was just feeling the pain that the the other the creature was, was feeling. It yeah. was kind of melting, though, wasn't it? I saw some uh, meltage going on. Yeah, he. I think it was like, I think that was his blood in, in okay. as far as we would yeah. recognize it. Like like how you would get a nosebleed in movies where, like, your brain is doing something uh, okay. weird. Okay, hopes and predictions for the next episode. Looks like we got a spaceship and maybe some uh, skeevy uh, space soldiers, which are both classic Doctor Who. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic. Um, the one thing I really want that this episode did not bring was I want a real sense of joy and fun, um, and I'm hopeful that we will get that. I think that is, like I said, I think that's other than the Doctor herself. I think that's the only thing we didn't have this episode is uh, is is fun. It wasn't a fun. Pro- it was good. It was enjoyable. I loved watching it, but it it didn't have that sense of fun that. Um, I think has been missing from Doctor Who for a little while. So that's what I would like to see. Oh, okay. Renee? Um, Yeah, super looking forward to it. I tend to go into New Doctors just with, um, you know, an open mind of bring me whatever you've got. Um, I do hope that we... I look forward to seeing what the inside of her TARDIS looks like more. Oh, yeah. And how that's going to be. And the opening credits. But, you know, I mean, all of it, you know, with yeah. all with so many people in it and all the differences that will be there um, and unrelated. Um, I have two things I wanted to mention. Um, sure. One, they are making a Doctor Who Barbie doll. The first yes, uh, Doctor Barbie yeah. ever. My pre-orders go live. Is- if this episode goes live Tuesday, pre-orders go live today or tomorrow? I think it's Or yesterday? Tuesday. Probably yeah, I don't know what day it is, yeah. but my six-year-old is beyond excited, and that is definitely going to um, push, uh, introduce a lot of little girls to, you know, um, Doctor Who. And also, again, I was talking about the Reddit AMA. I don't know if you guys read it, but her favorite villain of all time, Jodie Whittaker's. I don't uh-huh. know how, I don't even remember how old you guys are, but um, her favorite villain of all time was Mumra. From Thundercat. Oh, Ooh. Mumra. Oh, okay. that's a that's a that's a Amazing, fun choice, right? Yeah. My, I... Again, my six-year-old went as Chitara for Halloween two years ago, so um, I just thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to see if they get the Mumra, uh, the Thundercats Doctor Who crossover. Mumra. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. You could have a psychic alien child who you know invests her, his or her toys with life, and you have to fight Mumra. You know. Yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah, cool. And uh, I think that's it. Any? uh, uh, Well, for me, let's see. The next one, it looks good. I can't wait to see them on an alien planet. As much as I love Sheffield, I'm also hoping. I have my fingers crossed for that first time. Chris Chibnall knocks it out of the park, like because there has been with the Torchwood and his episodes, they've all been like good and competent, but lacked that spark that like the really best. Uh, Russell T. Davies and the best Stephen Moffat had. And maybe it's going to happen, and I'm definitely pulling for him. I mean, he got close, I think, with Cold Blood and Hungry Earth. But uh, I definitely think and hope that uh, Chimnall's best who work is ahead of him. By the way, this has uh, been the episode, the full, full official episode of Pulled the Open. Thanks for listening. 
check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps, and check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com, all one word, for our articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated from our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG, exclamation points.